Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 162. Today, we have an amazing ISTE author on to talk all about project-based learning, environmental science, and how we as coaches can support our teachers and even how can we help our teachers do some amazing lessons in their school districts. I know you guys are having a great time this year. I've been having a great time this year, but we want to hear from you guys. Don't forget to head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Check out all of our blog posts, our weekly podcasts. And don't forget, guys, that you can check out everything over on our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. You can, again, head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Sign on up. We have over 300 instructional coaches coming together each and every week to support each other, answer questions, join in on the celebration, guys. Check out our membership site. It is there. It is available, and it is certainly free. Askthetechcoach.com. We would love to have you guys join us. My guest today is a teacher, educational consultant, and an instructional coach who loves helping teachers harness the power of authentic, experimental, and technology-infused approaches to classroom instruction. He has just written an amazing book all about environmental science in the K-12 grades. I want to bring on today Ms. James Fester. James, how are you today? How are you? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I am so glad that you're here. I have been having a great time in my elementary school, but struggling... I seem to be able to get into the classrooms. I seem to be able to get the teachers to interact with me, but it always comes down to that, hey, I have a great solution for a lesson that you need to be doing, or hey, I know you're coming up on these big topics. Let's try this. And they always look at me and go, yeah, thanks, but I'm going to take it easy on this one. So James, you're in the hot seat tonight. It's just you and I, and we're going to go over all these different things. But before we get into that stuff, tell us a little bit about you. Who's James Fester? Yeah, I am a, a, a technology. Well, I'm a tech, I, I have a technology background. I uh, started with, with uh, as an educational technology coach and consultant working here in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. Um, prior to that, I was a California public school teacher, did a lot with social studies and science, uh, so I have a classroom background working in a K-8 district, moved out to Minnesota, uh, became a technology support coach, and uh, also working part-time for an excellent organization, PBL Works, which is the largest uh, nonprofit in the U.S. dedicated to exclusively project-based learning, helping teachers to become more competent uh, student-centered instructional uh, leaders, uh, and just helping them out and getting to work with teachers all day. So I, I was a tech coach working now full-time for PBL Works, really lucky that my job is to get to support teachers all over the U.S., and uh, a lot of that experience has gone into the book that I wrote with my amazing uh, co-author, George Valenzuela, who also I met through PBL Works as well. It's a fantastic resource for all things SEL and project-based learning as well, and the two of us came together 
wrote this amazing book that I'm hoping to get to talk a little bit about, but mostly just from a place of really loving, uh, just helping teachers every day, uh, you know, create these incredible experiences like the ones that you're, I'm sure, bringing into the teachers in your school every single day. We want them to become uh, the facilitators of really amazing, hands-on, experiential, authentic educational experiences. And that's really what it's all about for us and, and something I'm really excited to talk to you more about today. James, I'm curious. We have a lot of coaches listening to this who are uh, experienced coaches, and, and we, we, use the, we use the word tech coach, but we mean instructional coach or any any kind of coaching person in here. Uh, many of our coaches are in multiple buildings, but they're in multiple buildings in the same school district. So one might think that even though they're in different environments, there's still the same coaching structure or coaching philosophy. You, on the other hand, get a chance to travel all around district to district. So what is that like to work with teachers who are all coming at you from different backgrounds, different, uh, you know, educational systems, maybe one's a Google school, a Microsoft school. How is that for a coach to be able to walk in and quickly identify the needs, the wants and make it all happen? Well, that's a really great question. And you, uh, and as you know, um, you know, coaching is all about relationships, and it is no small thing to come into uh, a new space with a bunch of teachers. Sometimes you're there in person, sometimes you're working with them online, and need to quickly establish a relationship, help them to understand that you're there not to fix what's wrong, but to help them help affirm what they're already doing well, and to kind of provide them opportunities to see what things you can do to extend their thinking. Uh, that's And that's really the way I come at it all the time, that I don't want to come into a place and as a guest, which is really how I see myself as a coach, insert myself into their world and tell them all of the things that I think they should be doing. Uh, what I really want to know is first, you know, what, what are the things you're doing? What are the things that you, you know, what's on your mind? What are the things that you would like to be able to do better with your students? Or what are the things you're passionate about doing right now that you would like to find new ways of doing? You know, open up your teacher toolbox. Show me what's in there already. Maybe I got a couple of new things that we can add as well. Um, that's really the tack that I take. And what I see more than anything is that teachers are really looking at most teachers are committed lifelong learners. They understand there's always something new, always something that they can improve on, always something that they can revise and enhance. And um, more times than not, project-based learning becomes a vehicle for them to do just that because uh, there's a lot of different uh, frameworks, if you will, for project-based learning. There's a lot of different takes on it, a lot of different flavors, but at the end of the day, it's just good teaching and teachers are interested in doing that. And so I find a lot of times they're also interested in project-based learning and some of the things that I have to say, which is great. I want to jump back to you had mentioned relationships, which, you know, for 160 some episodes, that has basically been our thesis statement. Everything we do here is relationships, but you're in a different situation. You come into a school district. Now, now let me ask you a little bit how the program works. Do you come in for a day and then you're out? Does your company create a multi-step process so you actually can build relationships or are you just one day PD? Like, how does that work as a coach? on a bigger level than outside, you know, outside of a regular school district? Yeah, it kind of depends on the needs of the school. We definitely have, uh, PBL Works is definitely fortunate to have many long-term partnerships with districts across the United States where we do everything from starting off by working with the leadership, helping them understand what are the conditions that need to be put in place so that your teachers can create amazing um, 
opportunities for your students to engage with. Uh, we also do just work with just teachers where we get, you know, a bunch of teachers in a room that are really passionate about student-centered, uh, you know, a, a hands-on and authentic real-world problem-solving, inquiry-based things, all of these different themes that run through PBL. We do great three-day workshops for them. And then there are those that kind of want to dip their toes in the water. They want to know, well, I've heard about project-based learning. I kind of understand some of the tenets, but I'm not really sure if this is something I want to go full on and commit to. Uh, and we do uh, really awesome introductory workshops that are a day where we kind of just take them through a project from start to finish and kind of teach them what it's like to be in a PBL learner so that they can then think about what are the implications for your practice? And then maybe you'll come back and continue working with us. So we have a lot of different things that we do. And it's really not a one size fits all uh, scenario. It really kind of depends again, what are this, what are the, what's the vision for the, of the district or the school for project-based learning? What do they think it's going to bring for them? And, and what is the best way that we can help them get to that point? Let's see if we can clear the slate a little bit here, James. When we say project-based learning, I have a feeling mm -hmm. that a lot of teachers uh, say to themselves, I do projects, therefore I engage in project-based learning. Um, on the Likert scale, one to five, where are we are, where are we with that definition? <laughs> That's you're, not too bad. James, you're, not laughing, too bad. you're laughing at me, James. <laughs> I, well, no, I, and the only reason I'm laughing is because it is something that I hear uh, quite frequently and there's nothing wrong with it. I want to put that out there because at the beginning, at the end of the day, whatever you're doing with your students involving projects is better than putting a giant pile of worksheets in front of them. I think we can all agree on that, right? So, um, but there are some big differences between just doing projects and project-based learning. First and foremost, if you're just doing projects, the, the focus is completely on that end product. In project-based learning, it's not about the end product, it's about the process. The learning takes place during the process as opposed to focusing on this thing that they are building. Um, the idea is that through that the students are, um, basically they are, they, they come across or they have a, a question, a challenge that is issued to them that's gonna require them to investigate it. And they respond to it by developing knowledge that allows them to create an answer in the form of a project. They use inquiry, they collaborate, they bring in real world experts. Uh, a lot of the things that they do uh, that help them develop skills mimic what is done by professionals in the field, which helps them kind of uh, contextualize classroom learning in a way that you just can't do with a textbook. These are the kinds of things that we want to see. And there's a lot of really great frameworks that really kind of define with elements the difference between just doing a project and what project-based learning is. Uh, the, the, the PBL Works has an, a fantastic one called the Gold Standard, which you can look up and see if you go to their website. There's a great blog post all about it. Um, and it, the reason why this one is so good is because it is backed by research. And that's something that I would definitely say to people who are interested in learning more about what project-based learning is and how it's different from just doing projects. Find a framework that is based on evidence that's backed by research that you know is going to deliver those high quality results and try to infuse those elements into your classroom and your practice where you can. I would imagine something like project-based learning is a culture shift when it comes to teachers, right? It's, I, I would imagine it's not easy for a coach to go in and just, you know, 
suggest it, try it, and then flip a teacher, if you will. This might be something where a principal might want to have a initiative to say, look, I, I love to see all of my teachers try this thing out, bring in their coach, bring in PBL works and say, we're going to give this a shot. I know for my personal building right now, we're really looking at discourse, trying to get teachers and students to interact with each other, different activities. That's something that's starting at the top. And my role is as the coach is to help them create lessons to serve that goal. My question to you on this, James, is is project-based learning something that can be individualized or does it work better when it's coming down from the top? How do you sell it? Wow, that's a really, again, that's a, that's a really great question that I really think it kind of depends on the culture that's in place at the school. Like for example, um, one of the things that is essential, essential to high quality PBL, at least in my mind, is the idea of student-directed inquiry, where the students are taking the lead in investigating a question, a central focus. They are finding these resources. They are bringing these resources back to pull out information that then they apply in some way that generates new questions and helps move them forward towards that final product. Um, if there is a strong uh, culture of inquiry, at your school, if that's a topic that your staff is very familiar with, you're probably not going to need to push a lot to get them to that, to get them closer to a learner-centered environment like PBL is. Uh, they're going to be a little bit more okay with kind of um, facilitating as opposed to being in charge of instruction. They're going to be okay with these kinds of new ideas because they wrap in a lot of the things that they already believe in. So um, I really think that while leadership uh, is, is essential in a lot of ways to any kind of new initiative at a school. Uh, and, and coaching support goes along with that. If you have a really passionate coach who's willing to come in to be that support, to help teachers plan and gather resources so it's not all of them, and to kind of reassure them when things don't go the way that are planned, that can be insanely helpful. Then that's a little bit more of a top down. But I think there's also something to be said about looking around at the teachers that you work with every day. Which ones generally are in favor of trying new things, which ones are really passionate about, um, you know, being an early adopter, for example, like have a, have a tendency to do that, empowering them to become almost what we like to think of as, or what I like to call lighthouses. They're going to be the examples. They're going to be the ones that guide in the more uh, reluctant or more skeptical members of the faculty. Because when they start having success, when students really get engaged, and I can tell you this from experience because it's what happened in my own school, students are going to love it. They're going to really, really grab on, especially students who don't really play the game of school well, if you know what I mean, that don't thrive in a more traditional environment. They're going to absolutely love it. We're here today talking to James Fester, the co-author of an amazing new book from ISTE called Environmental Science for Grades 6 through 12. James, the question on everybody's mind today is why environmental science? Why do we need a book on environmental science? Well, it's not just a book on environmental science. It's really focused on making the case that the best way to teach environmental science is through interdisciplinary project-based learning. And I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why. First one is that just recently, in February of this year, in fact, Lucas Research, which is the research arm of the folks that do Edutopia, which a lot of people I'm sure are familiar with, came out with a study. It was a two-year study that was done that showed that if you use project-based learning to teach environmental science at the AP level, compared to a traditional approach to environmental science at the AP level, the students that are engaged in project-based learning score higher than, their, than the other ones. So we know uh, that PBL 
is the best way to teach environmental science. Uh, and, and, it, and the best part about that study is it doesn't matter who they are because that study was done predominantly at Title I schools. So PBL works. It works for everyone. We have the numbers and the data to prove it. But beyond that, environmental science is really a discipline. It's a dis- you know, it's, it's, it is a science, just like biology and chemistry and physics, but it is different in the sense that it really does take in not just those subjects, but it takes in other subjects as well in order to really understand things like human impact, understand how uh, people interact with the natural systems that make up this planet. You need to know about social studies, you need to know economics, you need to know about politics and government and how policies are made. Uh, You need to know about all these different things. And the best way to teach interdisciplinary subjects, to teach in an interdisciplinary way is definitely project-based learning. And and, and just like any other science, environmental science is very hands-on. You can go outside, you can observe it, you can interact with the different elements. Uh, And PBL is a uniquely suited pedagogical method that really thrives in uh, developing really incredible and authentic lessons that encompass all of those different things that I just talked about. James, for so many teachers out there, they think project-based learning and they think kids in a room having fun, putting their hands on things, getting dirty, experiencing life the best way that they can. But you have a chapter here on environmental science and distant learning. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that a teacher can use if they pick up this book today. So there are a lot of resources that my co-author, George, and I took some time to really put together and to pull it together. Um, There are amazing interactive technology-based resources that you can use to model uh, you know, natural processes to model and to predict the impact that humans have on different natural systems, all sorts of things that we really wanted to put into this book that lend themselves to a more distance approach. Because we know that there are a lot of people out there that are still using this as their primary form of learning, and that there are some schools that are using this as a form of instruction for a lot of students. Uh, distance learning isn't going away anytime soon. We wanted to make sure that people didn't feel that they were being left in the dust just because they didn't have students in their classroom with them. And so we show in that chapter uh, different ways that you can use technology, that you can adapt projects so that they can be done remotely. I mean, you do not need to go to a national park and take water samples in Lake Yellowstone in order to do environmental science. You can go to a pond down the street in your house. You can go to a green space uh, in the median, in the middle of the road, and you can do environmental science activities and do observations that lend themselves to that content. Uh, In fact, there are aspects of environmental science that work even better when you're in a more urban uh, environment. And we really wanted to show that environmental science can be done anywhere and it can be done in any mode, even distance learning. And that's something that uh, folks are going to be able to really get a great look at and get some great examples of uh, in, in the book if they do and if they do pick it up, which I hope they do. One of the other things that they learn how to do here in the book is to create a call to action. I, I know what that means from the marketing term, from the website mm-hmm. term, but what does a call to action have to do with education and environmental science? Well, it's one thing to be able to understand all of the different processes, the jargon, the concepts that go into the different parts, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that dictate the way that this planet works and the way that people interact with it. But why does it matter if you're the only one that understands this? And this is a problem that a lot of scientists have is that they're incredibly intelligent people. They do all of this work. They go out into the field. They collect all this data. 
but that doesn't matter a whole lot to your average person. It's like, okay, great. You did this experiment. You published it in this scientific journal that I don't read. Why does it matter? Well, a call to action is something we really want students to uh, become good at because we want them to, number one, feel confident in the fact that they have done this work. They are experts in this. They have expertise that can be shared, that that work that they do matters outside of the classroom. And we want to give them the tools to be able to reach and influence folks to bring them on to uh, be partners in these solutions that they're going to be generating through a project-based approach to environmental science. And so we give them you know, uh, practical tips on how to be an effective communicator, how to, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I'm sure you're very familiar with, how do you quote unquote sell the ideas, the concepts, the solutions that you're coming up with so that you can bring people to you, create collaborative uh, groups where people can come together and push these solutions out because eventually that's what's going to that is what's going to be required to solve some of these incredibly complex environmental challenges that we're already seeing the effects of now. If I'm a coach and my teacher says to me, I'd like to try project-based learning, or if my principal comes to me and says, this is going to be a focus, what is my first step outside of reading the book? Of course, what is that first step that I need to do? How do we create a plan? How do we support that teacher? Um, do we do a series of lessons before we do a project-based learning? I mean, is there, I, I need to get the kids to understand certain procedures before I just say, go at it, right? What, where do you start? So I, there are lots of, you're going to, you can talk to a lot of different people and get a lot of different answers to that question, but this is what I would suggest you do. And it's definitely something that George and I talk about in our book. Like, how do you get started with PBM? And let's assume for a second that a workshop is not going is not on the agenda that you're going to maybe you're going solo. Maybe there's a small group of teachers that are interested and you want to get them started so that you can show other people that this is something they should invest time and resources in. First thing I would do is I would say, find yourself a project, a project that you that a project that uh takes care of, checks off standards, content standards, or learning goals that you have. There are lots of places you can go to find them. We have some great examples in our book that you can use and you can model, or you can just steal and use immediately and launch them in your classroom the next day. But I would find a project that speaks to standards you have to teach anyways. I would then look at what you would already do to teach that unit, because a lot of those things you can just adapt and put right into your project. If you already have a great lesson for teaching students the difference between the biosphere, the lithosphere, the hydrosphere, all of those different parts of our planet, you can keep that. You can still use that. You may be able to tweak it a little bit to make it a little bit more student-centered, give them a little bit more control, but you can still use those same resources uh, in this project. And then the third thing I would do is make sure that you are using a framework and modeling your approach to PBL off of a framework that is, again, proven uh, to, to be effective, that delivers high-quality results. And that is a great way to create a guide or uh, a reflection tool so that while you're doing the project, you can ask yourself, okay, what can I be doing right now? Or what's my role as a teacher in a PBL classroom? There are frameworks out there that you can grab, that you can pull, and you can look at that will help you do those things. So those are the three steps that I would say are really crucial to beginning. Um, but yeah, be willing to just jump in. Uh, recognizing that some things are going to go really well, some things are not going to go great the first time. But the more you do it, the more you get your students accustomed to what it feels like to be in a PBL classroom, the better your projects will be and the better the results you will get each time. 
This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 162, guys. All of the things that we're talking about today are going to be in our comprehensive show notes. And of course, all the links that we have on PBL are going to be on there too. And James, I'd like to see if we can add to that, li that list a little bit today. Where can teachers go to learn more about project-based learning, project-based research? Are there great hashtags to follow, Twitter accounts to follow? Where do we go for more information on this subject? Well, I'm definitely going to start by plugging the website of my esteemed co-author, George. Uh, George is a fantastic PBL coach. Uh, you can find him at Lifelong Learning Defined. And that's a website we'll definitely include in the show notes so people can look at it. He's got great resources. He's a fantastic resource himself. Uh, I've got some great stuff on my own website as well, uh, festeredu.com. I'll include that one as well. Uh, downloadable projects that, that are uh, aligned to not just environmental science, but all sorts of other disciplines that teachers can take. They can download and adapt themselves. Those are two great places to start. If you're looking for even more information, I'd highly suggest that you look at uh, Edutopia. Uh, it's a great place to go to find great information on PBL. And lots of different PBL experts and writers tend to put blogs up uh, very frequently. Um, George and my George and myself have written a couple as well. They're really good. A great hashtag to follow is PBL Chat. If you are a Twitter chat uh, enthusiast, they do a great one every Tuesday. Uh, in the PM that you can join and uh, get great answers and and get uh, get some collaboratives uh, some collaborative information about PBL and upping your game and then of course I've got to plug the book that George and I have written uh, environmental science. Uh, PBL and environmental science for grades six through 12. You can check it out on ISTE's website and also on amazon.com. Those are some great resources to get you started. Uh, and we would love, George and I, I know would both would love to hear from anybody that hears this and would like to know more. Please feel free to reach out. Our contact info is on our website. We would love to talk more to you uh, about what we do and, and what you can do to up your own PBL game. If you guys have any questions on project-based learning or any topic in, for instructional coaching, don't forget you can check us out over on askthetechcoach.com. And again, please don't forget to head on over there and join our free membership site, our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. We would love to have you guys join, chat with each other, and share your stories on what's going on in your classrooms. James, I want to say thank you for coming on the show today. But before I let you go, I, I just want to get some advice here for all of our coaches that are listening. You know, it is a difficult year. It's We have a long road ahead. Um, what advice do you give coaches when you go out to visit these schools? I know, you know, you come in, you do your thing, you come in, you do your thing. But I'm sure you work with other coaches from these districts. What advice do you give them on just how to be awesome in the classroom and how to how to take care of themselves this year. I got three pieces of advice that have been given to me that I want to make sure to pass on because they've really helped me through really difficult parts of the last couple of years. And they're great pieces of, uh, pieces of advice for anybody who is a support provider to teacher, especially instructional coaches, tech coaches, whatever kind of coach you are. Number one is be willing to jump in along with your teachers. Let them know they're not alone. Let them know that you're in it with them. Their success is your success and be willing to be that extra set of hands in the classroom. The second one is to give grace. Recognize that sometimes, no matter how great your idea is, no matter how brilliant the initiative, no matter how fantastic your idea for a lesson is, that if it's not the right time, and there are a lot of teachers that are really struggling out there. So it's a rough year for a lot of them. 
recognize that it, 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 you know, that it just may not land at that right time, but don't give up on it. Be willing to bring it back. Recognize it's not about you and give the people that you're working with grace. And then the third one is ask questions. Something as simple as what's on your mind today? What can I help you with? What are you, you know, what is, what challenges are you dealing with right now can be gateways into opportunities for you to bring in those resources and really get them to try some amazing things in spite of how, uh, how difficult things might be. And so those are the three pieces of advice that I would pass on. And I, I wish everyone the best of luck this year. I know it's not an easy one, but keep at it. We're going to get through it. I love those three suggestions. And just to kind of circle around, it all comes down to the theme. Just build relationships. Just work with your people. doesn't matter if it's a principal, a teacher, a superintendent. It doesn't matter. Just build those relationships and things will start to come. I'll tell you guys out there, you know, I'm feeling it myself. Uh, we're recording this particular show at the end of September. I've been in school for a, a month now. You know, I've made some good strides, but it's a long way to go. And we're all here together. And I keep reminding my teachers of that. I keep reminding my, my, my you know, the, the ones that have come around to the ones that haven't come around yet. We're all here. We're all working together. So definitely do all that stuff. The book is amazing. I highly recommend you guys check it out uh, from ISTE Publications. It's called Environmental Science for Grades 6 through 12. We're going to have all the links over here on TeacherCast. This is episode number 162. James, feel free to give it a plug. T talk to us a little bit about your Twitter account. Where can we learn more about you and this amazing book? So you can definitely follow me on Twitter. My Twitter account is at St. Fester. Uh, and you can check me out there. Um, the book, you can find that information on my website. Again, I also want to make sure that I am giving uh, the due credit to my amazing co-author, George Valenzuela, who is, in addition to being an amazing PBL coach and an amazing resource uh, for all things SEL and, and STEM, uh, he is just a, he's a fantastic coach and a great and inspirational person to be in touch with as well. His uh, his his Twitter is George does PDL and he's got a fantastic website at Lifelong Learning Defined. So those are great places to learn more about us, learn more about our work. Hope you check it out and thank you so much for all of your time. Really appreciate it. And that wraps up episode number 162 of Ask the Tech Coach. Don't forget to head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Join our Tech Coaches Network, and we would love to have you guys share your stories and thoughts with all of our coaches. And on behalf of James and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.